I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift here in person with Benji Narsen, but more importantly, Danny Rev, longtime commentator on Eurosport, nearly a decade, I think you said, on Eurosport Hungary. He's done the hard yards and the Giro d'Italia is now in his house starting on Friday. We're recording this on the Monday. Benji and I have just flown in, and, yeah, we're really excited to talk to Danny about the Giro. But before we get into that, as I said, it's thanks to Zwift that Benji and I are here on the ground and to Giro d'Italia. Grande Partenza. Zwift is the cycling app that makes training fun. Whether you're just trying to get a bit stronger on the bike for your weekend rides or preparing for a grand tour like Cavendish at this year at Italia, there's something on Zwift to help you get fitter and have more fun on the bike. Zwift has real-world and fantasy locations to ride in, hundreds of workouts on demand, training plans, a packed calendar of group rides, pace partners to drop in with at a set pace, and even the ability to create your own meetup. Spending more time on the bike, thanks to Zwift, has certainly helped my and Benji's fitness over the past few months. So if you haven't given it a go, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. But the first question I have is, why is the Giro here? I know that sounds like a weird question, but Grande Partenza in, in Israel in 2018 when Froome went, makes sense. Sylvan Adams facilitated it. What's the reasoning behind it? It was supposed to happen in 2020. Coes pushed it back. Is it the tourism office? Is it a big person in Hungary that likes cycling? What's the driver behind it coming to Budapest? I think that you have to go back to 2017 where uh, Hungary wanted to organize the 2024 Olympics. And there was a... uh, It didn't even get to uh, organizing a referendum. Uh, There was a party that was a newly formed party uh, in a Budapest-based party, basically. And uh, they just got together, I think, 230,000 signatures. So uh, the government said, okay, we'll not do the Olympics in 2024. But since then, they spent a lot of money on stadiums, arenas, whatever, infrastructure for the Olympics, if we want to do a future Budapest Olympics. And I think that the Giro is also uh, part of this. So, you know, it's a, the government of Hungary has been in place for 12 years now. Um, it's a sports-crazed prime minister. I think a lot of people know that. Uh, he's mainly into football, but still sports got a lot of more money than in uh, times before the, the current government. So... Yeah, we just organize a lot of different sports uh, events and the Giro is one of them. Okay, so the next question is, you said football's bigger. We were in the, the taxi on the way from the airport and Benji got put on the fr- up the front. The guy said, you're in the front. I went in the back. So I, got, I just read my book and Benji had, was talking to him. And we're like, we're here for the Giro, we're here for the Giro. And he's like, cool, but 
Um, and then Benji's pointed out the Group Armour Stadium and we're like, oh, well, Group Armour sponsored a cycling team. And the guy was like, yeah, but football, where does cycling rank in Hungary and Budapest? Because he got really excited, the cab driver, and it's like, oh, what was it Fen- Fenchas Pushkas? Oh, Ferenc Pushkas. I remember Pushkas from football. He's like, oh, you know him. But then uh, I, we didn't even ask, you know, Volta, um, Benji's favourite. Is is cycling on the rise? Is it, and I'm talking professional road cycling, or is it just like a lot of other countries focused on Tour de France most of the time? I think that you have to take it into two uh, different things. One is the, the international part of cycling, which has a base in Hungary. A lot of people watch the races. Uh, a lot of people watch the Tour de France only. A lot of people watch the races to look at the scenery, look at the chateaus and whatever you can find on the way of the races. And then there are the few very good Hungarian riders who have come up in the last few years. Uh, Walter, Peak, um, Fetter will be the, the yeah. third guy in the Giro. It just became official today. No Dina? No Dina, no. Okay. He's going to do Tour de Hongria, I think. Okay. Um, and of course, uh, Blanca Bosch, who you've talked about a lot. And, um, and now it's, it's getting bigger. Last year, when uh, Walter spent three days in the, in the pink jersey, I think that uh, the Hungarian Eurosport website was like the fifth or, th- or sixth among, the, um, among all of the Eurosport websites, let's say 20 different uh, languages. So it was very, um, well... It, it was a very interesting broadcast from our part and it, it uh, generated a lot of interest among normal uh, sport-loving people too, not just cycling lovers. I think uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask as a follow-up to that is the fact that we've got a clear growth in the popularity due to Attila Walter and so forth and the riders you just named, but... What I see missing at the moment is like a development system from a continental level because I remember back in the day there was Panon Cycling Team or whatever it was called in like UCI Continental Division and it's folded if I recall correctly and now there's not really that Hungarian team that brings riders forward because if I recall correctly Fetter and Dina were on that team in the past, is that correct? Fetter, I don't think so but Dina I'm pretty sure. There was the Tour de Hongrie when uh, Nylans won. Uh, I think it was 2018 or 19, not sure. Uh, and Dina came second and Walter was third. And Walter that year has been or was riding for the CCC development team. Uh, and the year before that, that was the breakthrough of Walter. He came, I think, third in a Tour of Slovakia uh, stage behind Philippe, and I'm not sure who was the other guy. But then he raced for Pannon. Uh, but Pannon, I think it just it was a one or maximum two year project. There's this uh, team called Epronex, which is the the strongest Hungarian team, but it's not even in in a county level. And I think that you are very right that if we want to, um, let's say, ride this wave of success of the big guys, then we should have a continental team that can race in this Eastern European region. I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of regional teams in Poland. There are a few in Slovakia, even Czech Republic, and uh, and we miss that. And uh, yeah, the the constant development will be a very hard thing because these guys they are extremely talented, but they they really don't 
fit the scheme of Hungarian cycling in the last, let's say, 15 or 20 years. They are more of an outliner. And uh, yeah, we really hope that their success can spark something, but it's not that easy to, to put together a team that can even achieve uh, continental status. Yeah, because what was the race the other day? There was the Belgrade Tour. Um, no use, no World Tour teams went despite the good points on offer. There's a new Tour of Hellas, which isn't far away either. So yeah, there's races in the region. Um, if a team was to spring up. And what's that Polish team that Michael Reim? Yeah, I was too scared to pronounce it on they camera. Were, they were here last year for Tour de Hongri, but uh, I think this year they, they couldn't get an invitation because the field will be so strong. Well, Tour de Hungary, right? It's still 2-1 uh, designation. Field is so strong that I'm pretty sure one of the World Tour teams facing relegation pulled out of it. Because yeah. Lotto were like, Hold on, this GC field is not soft. We we can't score that easily here. Was it another reason? Yeah, I heard that they have a lot of injuries and, oh, okay. and sickness in the team. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, it's it's not an easy field anymore, and uh, especially because of the geography of Hungary, that we don't have many high mountains. We have the Kékesztető, which will be again the mountain top finish in in the Tour de Hungary. Uh, this year, it's going to be the last stage, so um, GC will be decided there. Um, it's, it's not, a, there are not a lot, a lot of good climber who, climbers who come to Tour de Hongri. We have, we will have, uh, hopefully a lot of good sprinters. Groenewegen, is he going for Vex? I think it was, uh, news today that, that, uh, Tour de Hongri is not in his program, but, but there was talk about Groenewegen, there was talk about, uh, Viviani being on the... On the start list, I think Jakobsen will be on the start list. So in sprints, we're going to have some big names. And then we're going to have probably a few Koi's and, and young guns who, who want to have that first big win. Um, but climbers like, you know, Hausen won um, or Hausen came, I think... And he's about to come in, come into this Airbnb, disrespect Damien House and <laughs> to my face, saying Tudong doesn't have a good. Climbers. I don't remember if he won or if he came uh, only third. I, I remember that he came third when Walter won. Uh, House and attacked early, and then Walter attacked a bit later and caught him on the line. And Quinn Simmons passed House and two, but I'm not sure if House and won a year before or a year later. I think uh, a question I wanted to add to that is. We've spoken about Walter a lot, but we've got a feeling, at least I've noticed from the results that he's got so far, like fourth at Strade, for example, he wore that pink jersey at the Giro. His climbing is like, it's there, but it's not like godlike level. He's obviously still a young rider. Is he becoming more of a punchy type necessarily than actually a pure climber? I think that... uh... I think that he had some training specifically to have a chance on the first stage of the Giro this year. You know, that's uh, around 5K, 5% or 4.5%, something like that. Um, of course, against Van der Poel and uh, whoever was going to be there, uh, Barnabas Peakto does that, uh, Girmay wants to win that stage. I don't think that Balter will have a realistic chance, but I think he really wants to do well. He maybe wants to do so well that maybe he has a chance after the TT. I'm not sure. No, after Etna. So he, the TT, the TT, he will yeah. not be good enough. But Etna is often done slow. That's what stage four. Yeah, Etna is not usually big GC gaps. MVDP might drop. Germa will drop. 
Agioli for quick step will drop maybe. Then I, I see Edna. That's why he needs to try to yeah. get at least third. Of course, Almeida will be hard. But, yeah, I mean, when you say you heard he's done training for this climb, what do you mean? Like VO2 sort of efforts? I, I, I'm not saying I heard. <laughs> I, I th- I'm saying I think. Okay. Uh, because of his punchiness that uh, improved a lot in the in the last few months, I think. Like, uh, let's say he was, I think, 10th or something like that in the Catalonia stage where Cole Bradley collapsed. Um, second in in Catalonia in Barcelona after or behind Bajoli, uh, which was a, a small group sprint. So I think, but I I don't know okay. that he that he trained for this uh, a bit more specifically. But I want to mention a new supporting sponsor for the LRCP Giro coverage. We are supported by GCN Plus. You can watch all three thousand four hundred and ten kilometers live and ad free on GCN Plus who have live rights worldwide, excluding New Zealand. Catch up when it suits you with full stage replays, on-demand highlights, all available on any screen so you can watch anytime, anywhere. And as a bonus, all LRCP listeners from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, and Germany can get 25% off an annual GCN Plus subscription by heading to gcn.eu slash LRCP, which is in the description down below. Let's talk about that first stage, and you, you're you the best person to ask about these three stages. If people don't know, and it's already in our huge preview, which you should go and check out, the first three stages go from uh, Heroes Gate in English, but Hosoktere. Hosoktere, yeah, Hero Square. At the end of Andrasi Avenue, which is very famous, and then that goes up north and finishes with a 5K, 4% climb. Second stage, TT, about 9Ks, finishes also in a little short climb. Third stage, pure sprint stage. Which, what's the first of all historical significance for people that don't know of Heroes Square? Um, and also, where does that region, what is that region? Um, is it still Budapest um, where stage one finishes? Because I'm Australian, 40, 40k is the same city geographically. For us, it's yeah. not. It's, not. <laughs> okay. it's interesting that when uh, there was a profile of Blanca in a Dutch or a Belgian paper, I don't know, and they said that he that she lives in a suburb of Budapest and we don't consider uh, 60 or, <laughs> or uh, 70 kilometers a suburb of Budapest, maybe 15 is a suburb. Visegrad is not a suburb. Um, there's, okay, I, I should have uh, looked after that, this uh, historical fact, but Visegrad is famous because uh, it's, uh, there was a, a meeting of kings there, I'm not sure, I think in the 13th century, but I'm really not sure. Uh, maybe I should have looked at, looked at this fact. Uh, but nowadays, uh, there's this group of nations called the Visegrad Four Nations, uh, Slovakia, Czech Republic, and Poland, and us. And um, politically, it's like a block in the EU. And um, I'm not sure if, if this is why they wanted to do this. Uh, if you consider cycling, uh, Visegrad and that part of, of Hungary is very popular among cyclists. There are a few climbs that are not very hard, but you can climb uh, and you can still go back to Budapest uh, after the after t- uh, training. And um, yeah, I think that's more important that uh, they wanted a place that is very nice. I mean, this is like if you have this uh, turn of the Danube, it's exactly in the middle of that. They will have beautiful uh, shots from the hel- helicopters. And um, 
and yeah, it's a popular place for cyclists, uh, amateur cyclists in Hungary. Um, so it's not uh, Budapest anymore, it's uh, Pest County, which surrounds uh, Budapest. Um, Hero Square, uh, in, I think the, the um, statues were built and this monument was built in 1896 for the millennium of the of Hungarians coming into the Carpathian Basin and uh, the statues are of the biggest kings and, um, and rulers of Hungary. So that's a historical significance and it's one of the biggest uh, tourist centers in Budapest. Like I think most of the tourists who come here want to go and, and uh, see that. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the first stage is going to be interesting because uh, the, the peloton will move through the city during the neutral start and then start from the outskirts of Budapest, but still in Budapest, go, I think, six or seven kilometers on a highway uh, and then go to smaller roads. There's going to be a, an intermediate sprint in Székesfehérvár, which was the uh, place where the kings uh, got crowned in the, in the medieval history of Hungary and then... Uh, go to the north. Estergom is another important place with the basilica that is kind of like the one of the two biggest uh, basilicas in Hungary in size and also in significance. And then there's going to be uh, there's going to be another intermediate sprint there and then Visegrad with the with the castle there. So, yeah. I think that's going to be a very nice stage. Uh, stage 2 the ITT they originally wanted to take the peloton uh, over the chain bridge, which is one of the symbols of Budapest, but um, it needed to be uh, renovated. So now they are going to use the Margaret Bridge. They are going to um, go in front of the Parliament building, which is also very famous. So it's a it's a touristic TT. And then the third stage, and that's more interesting maybe, uh, Kaposvár is the base of Kometa, which is of course one of the sponsors of the LO team and also one of the sponsors of this uh, big start in Hungary. And then they are going to go around the Lake Balaton and from the north, uh, which is I think a beautiful part of, of Hungary, the, the north uh, shore of Balaton. They are going to go to Balatonfüred. Also, Tihany is important. Uh, there will be a KOM there because, um, uh, well, it has cultural significances uh, going back almost a thousand years. Um, so, yeah, I think that the stages are going to be very nice. Um, first one, probably a small group sprint like MVDP and Girmay style small group uh, sprint than the TT. I'm not sure if, let's say, like uh, Ghana and Co will be uh, the, the favorites. No, Ghana. Ghana isn't here, no? No. Yeah, but uh, I mean, no TT riders because the, the last, let's say, one and a half kilometers, it has a 14% part and then uh, maybe eight or 9% pave part. So I think that someone who can climb well, and can TT well will win. I think MVP wins it. Maybe. I think. Maybe. Let, let's see which uh, helmet he gets. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got the lazy one. Yeah, I wanted to ask, based on that, you're mentioning a lot of like race aspects and also scenery. 
I wanted to ask for you personally, what is your personal commentary style? Because like you mentioned so many historical facts about these stages and so forth. Is that something you try and implement in the way you commentate on these stages? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not just me, all of my colleagues. We have this style that has been, I don't know. Um, uh, let's go back a bit. Uh, our pre predecessors were very, very famous. Um, there was a commentator and a co-commentator. The co-commentator uh, passed away during the London Olympics in 2012. So after he passed away and the commentator left Eurosport, that's when I started commentating on cycling in 2013. And um, their style was this uh, entertainment style. Not to talk a lot about the race, not to uh, share a lot of information, but it was entertainment and a lot of people love that. And there are a lot of viewers who don't watch us, but they watch them because they were looking for this kind of entertainment. When we started commentating uh, with four of my colleagues in 2013, we knew that the, we don't want to take this forward because, you know, we weren't funny enough or whatever we didn't want to want to have this entertainment style commentary but we knew that uh, a very big part of our viewership loves these facts about history uh, geography sport in the area like especially if there are some hungarian athletes that can be mentioned a lot of people are interested in that and um, we talk about a lot about food and drinks so that sounds not bad yeah I mean, for a, for a Giro stage, if it's in Italy, I would say that uh, maybe 50% or, or 40% of the, of the broadcast time, we talk about uh, history of Italy, we talk about pasta and pizza and whatever uh, thing you can eat at that place. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because, let's say, in Sicily itself, there are like you know, seven or eight uh, typical pasta dishes all around Sicily. So you can talk a lot about this stuff. And um, yeah, um, then it depends on who's the commentator. Everyone has uh, their hobbies, and we talk that we talk about our hobbies basically. But we like to travel, so you know it's it's not that hard to mix uh, the things that interest you and the the cycling commentary. And then of course we talk a lot about cycling and cyclists. We we talk a lot about the. Um, what's mentioned in the in the belgian press because that's kind of like the mecca of cycling i think i don't know about that belgian press is that well, it depends on uh which parts like the remco parts or the non-remco parts <laughs> it depends on that but i'd argue the press is like pretty on point no it is, it is exaggerated in a very big sense in belgium and i think it's just the popularity that does a lot and then that influences that and people want to read it and therefore People write more about it and write clickbait articles about it because of that. But uh, yeah, I agree on in that aspect that uh, the Belgian press is something to look up to because every Belgian is someone to look up to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that. You just go, you guys just like cycling a lot. Whereas I come from a similar, similar country, Australia, where cycling is not a first tier, not a second tier, not a third tier. It's like, I don't know what tier sport. But then Cadell Evans won the Tour de France. And that was huge for Australia. And I think hopefully Volta, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's going to win the Giro. He's not going to win the Giro, probably the podium. But as I said, if he gets pink with the Grande Partenza in Budapest, that could be the catalyst. We saw it with Team Sky in the UK, like the London Olympics plus Team Sky, the Tour de France's 
that has to be connected to the boom or at least contributing to the boom of cycling there in the UK. But third stage, sorry, I think we I cut you off, Danny. Third stage is a pure bunch sprint. Yeah, it should be. Okay. And uh, I, I fear for them a bit because it's going to be a bit of uh, downhill okay. coming in. Not 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 uh, Katowice or whatever Polish city Jakobsen almost died in, but, but it's going to be a, a little downhill and... Uh, well, let's hope that no one's going to get hurt. Have people been messaging you or even your family and friends been like, Friday's coming, Giro, you want to be on TV? Like, are you feeling nervous? Is there more pressure on you than there ever has been before? Like your home city having the Grande Partenza of the second biggest race in the world? It's going to be very different from a normal uh, Grande Par or Grande Partenza or or whatever. Um, where we are going to do only one stage per person, so six okay. of us are going to come and the first three stages. Um, there will be, I, I'm going to do stage stage three. So on Friday, I'm going to go out and try, try to do some interviews with the riders before the stage, and then go to Visegrad and try to do some interviews after. And on Saturday, I'm just going to be like a tourist or let's hope I'm go- I can be like a, a tourist and walk around, uh, look at different parts of the, of the TT because I think these TTs have very different um, um, perspectives. I think it's very interesting to watch a cyclist go with, let's say, 55 or 60k an hour down Andrashi. And then it's going to be interesting to see them go up on the on the Margaret Bridge. And then it's going to be very interesting to see them go up on this uh, 9% Pave Street. So I'll try to be at different spots for a few riders. Um, and then, yeah, stage three. Um, a lot of people, well, in my family, they asked me where to go and, and these kind of things. But uh, I think that it, it's not going to be this kind of... Um, let's say it, it's not going to mobilize one million people here. Uh, there are going to be okay. hundreds of thousands on the road, but a lot of people will only go if the if the Giro passes their street or their house. Um, there are fans, of course, of cycling, and because Hungary has a kind of a loose COVID policy, I think uh, a lot of fans from around the region let's say slovakia and and uh, neighboring countries can come and watch the race quite freely so i think there are going to be foreign uh, fans too but i i i don't think that there's gonna be this huge turnout of let's say i don't know seven or eight hundred thousand people in a in a stage uh, which uh, bretagne tour de france grande park can bring um, but yeah, I think that a lot of people would just go and watch one part of the race and a lot of people won't understand the race because uh, you need to have some kind of basic knowledge, I think, that to understand what's happening. Like even, even if it's just a five-man break with the uh, pro teams and uh, then the peloton coming past, you need to understand, okay, what are the five guys doing there? Why are they in front of the other ones? Uh, will they win the race? And, you know, if you don't understand this, then you, you'll have this image that, okay, five guys went, then came the peloton, a lot of cars. There will be a, a caravan of the sponsors, I think, uh, before the race. But, uh, yeah, you need to have some basic understanding. And I don't think that the masses have that here. What do you think about, like, when I hear you talk about 
this not necessarily bringing forward a million people on the streets, for example. What is the mainstream coverage like for an event like this right here? Because we can talk about the people's interest and so forth, but let's say a basic main newspapers in the country, do they care about the Giro d'Italia? Um, there's one sports newspaper in Hungary and uh, they will care about it a lot. Um, they are in this uh, big conglomerate of uh, government party newspapers and media. So they are tied closely to the government, so they'll prob probably have this positive attitude towards the race. Um, the mainstream media, I think they will have a few articles and maybe, um, let's say, three minutes in the evening news or something like this. But um, we have a, a state sport channel, uh, M4, and they will broadcast the three uh, stages in Hungary and then they will do, I think, 10-minute just clips of the of the Italian stages, and of course Eurosport will have uh, every stage live and and uh, from the first to the last kilometer. I think um, I think it's it's gonna get a lot of more exposure than a normal Giro, uh, but I think that if if you're interested in cycling, then then you know it's coming and you want to go and you're planning and you are looking at spots. Okay, and I should watch the race from here. Um, if you're not, then then I don't think that a lot of uh, preparation will go into this. What's like a nailed on 100% going to happen that you think will happen in the first stage from a race perspective? Is it the peloton being caught off guard and a particular aspect of the run into Visegrad? Is it uh, Eric Feather getting in the break going for the first intermediate sprint point or KOM, is it KOM points? I haven't looked at the parkour. KOM enough. will only be in Visegrad, I think. Okay, so the break can't take it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, what's an example of something that you think will happen 100% on the first stage that's obvious to you that people might not realize? I'm not sure if there's some precise thing I can say. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, that Walter will try to try to win this stage. Uh, I'm not sure about the plans of of Eric Vetter actually, because he is this kind of punchy climber as well. So maybe he will think that I can have a shot at the top ten, and then you know, for Elo, I think a top ten in the first stage of the Giro that's not a not a bad place to start. Um, yeah, they're gonna be pro teams in the breakaway. Um, the if if you want a, a local thing that I can say, they will show the the football stadium of uh, Pushkash Academia from the helicopter, which is the the fun fact is that the stadium is right beside the house of the prime minister, and he's the founder of the of the football academy that uh, took Pushkash's name. So I'm pretty sure because the the stage will not go into the village of the prime minister, but just go past it. And I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, they they are going to show this. And yeah, there there will be very nice pictures of the Danube uh, from Visegrad. Yeah, we're gonna head over to the Giro village or fan zone behind Hero Square at some point. Maybe catch a few interviews. But yeah, thanks for coming on the pod, Danny. It's been incredible actually to have the first ever interview with someone on the ground like this it's just such fortuitous circumstances and best of luck on sunday i would say we'll be listening in but i don't understand Hun hungarian is is so difficult for me well I, I just see though as you know the 
etymology of the language is so different. So best of luck for it. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. It's been a real honor. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 